This is FITV News Roundup. I'm Paula Fomes. And I'm Catherine Daniels. Coming up on this week's programme, COVID vaccine update, news from the Summary Court and the latest from Legislative Assembly. This week saw the rollout of the second dose of the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine in the Falklands. At the time of recording this, the next batch of vaccine for those aged 18 to 45 should have arrived in the islands. For the third week in a row, the swab update showed no positive cases currently in the islands, and so the weekly updates will now stop until needed once again. Two mandates were signed in Geneva last week to enable a new stage of the project to identify the remains of fallen soldiers buried at the Argentine cemetery near Darwin. The project began back in 2017 and has led to the identification of 115 Argentine soldiers. The International Committee of the Red Cross will again act as a neutral intermediary. The ICRC team is expected to return to the Falkland Islands in August 2021 if circumstances permit. Jonathan Vasquez-Saluca appeared in the summary court this week facing two charges, driving without a valid licence and driving without valid insurance. He pleaded guilty to both. Speaking in court, Mr Saluca apologised for his actions. He was given a fine of £300 and ordered to pay costs of £150 and his driving record will be endorsed. Loretta Webb also appeared in court facing one charge of driving without due care and attention to which she pleaded guilty. On the 4th of February 2021, Ms Webb had pulled out onto the bypass from the Sappers Hill turning, which caused a collision with another vehicle and made a third car take, avoiding action. She was fined £315, ordered to pay costs of £150 and had her licence endorsed. Also in the summary court, Melvin Clifton was issued a distress warrant after failing to pay a fine he was given in November 2020. He was issued the fine for driving with excess alcohol and driving without a licence last year. Mr Clifton did not attend court for the hearing. In the Legislative Assembly this week, MLA Teslin Barkman asked MLA Roger Edwards about an update on the plans for recycling points for glass and tin cans in camp. We caught up with MLA Teslin Bartman earlier in the week to ask why the question was brought up. So this is a kind of a, a national strand of the waste management strategy which we're rolling out and it's to try to pull out some exact timelines around when there will be collection points in, uh, in West Falklands or East Falkland so that the waste there can be um, part of our, our national waste that we export for recycling. And, you know, people in camp always have great ownership of their own waste generally, but to have that option of um, having somewhere to send glass and tins now that we have those options available in Stanley to roll that out to camp makes a lot of sense. Salmon farming has been talked about as a possibility for the Falkland Islands for some time. FITV have been looking into the pros and cons of salmon farming and have also spoken to some key people involved in the business side of the venture and also the environmental side. The full piece will be aired on FITV in a few weeks' time, but in the meantime, here's what project manager Darren Christie from Unity Marine had to say on the project. Uh, so it's an opportunity to diversify the economy uh, and there are, there are potential substantial benefits to it um, but equally there are, there are risks associated with it as well so you know that's the work that needs to happen at the moment you know from where I'm sat the, the opportunities are very clear the risks aren't so clear there's a lot of work that needs to be done doing an EIA and all that kind of thing so at some point when all that work comes together that's when there's an opportunity to have a public debate and to make an informed decision as to whether this is something we want to do or something that we don't. 
And this is Dr Andrew Stanworth from Falklands Conservation who raised environmental concerns. We've got a, a pristine inshore environment here in the Falklands. It's an incredibly rare thing globally and I think to, to put in place an industrial scale inshore uh, pen salmon farming uh, development um, and to, to lose that pristineness would be uh, incredibly significant for the islands. The King Edward Memorial Hospital now has its new mammography unit up and running. Paula went down to the hospital on Monday to speak to radiographer Nina Aldridge as well as visiting mammographer Amelia Penteva about the equipment. For ladies who have had breast cancer treatment in the last five to ten years, a regular mammogram is essential. In the past, the hospital has organised for equipment to be hired from Chile and a team brought in to check the ladies for any tissue changes. Due to the pandemic, however, the screening team who should have been in the islands last September were unable to come. And in the meantime, the hospital has received its own equipment. And now, obviously, because we've got the equipment here, the team can come in whenever they want to. We don't have to tie two countries together, shipping, flights, everything else. So it's just really nice. So what we've done is Emmy's come down, we are doing all the ladies that are due their follow-ups in the UK and we've also um, we're going to agree to do some of our symptomatic ladies, so ladies who have come along to the GPs with lumps and what we, we've done in the past is we've ultrasounded them. Sometimes we just need a mammogram as well just to, for the completeness of everything and so because Emmy's here, those ladies can be screened here with their mammogram, have their ultrasound, be reported by the radiologists in the UK. So it saves those ladies having to go overseas at the moment as well. Emmy Panteva is the mammographer in the islands at the moment to screen ladies requiring checkup mammograms. The equipment, a GE Pristina, is considered the newest on the market and Emmy is certain that it will save lives. This equipment has been deployed here on the island because of the women's. So this is like a women power and this equipment will save many lives because catching the early breast cancer can save their lives and also the treatment might be not so bad, you know. The machine itself has one of the best detectors and also a lot more comfortable, especially for women with larger breasts. So all we know, I think that this is a big uh, achievement for this hospital and also for the Falklands because till now the women have to go to Chile or imagine this long flight to England 20 hours to be treated there and this will cause more, more anxiety and they will be more nervous you know so I think this is beneficial for them it's improvement for them and for the hospital. The first breast screening in the Falklands was in 2010 and the equipment was hired and shipped over from South America. They continued to do this every few years until the hospital started to look at getting its own mammography unit. The procedure of the mammo is a very, very simple one. You do, you screen each breast twice. We do CC and we call the other view oblique view. So if we see something which is suspicious, abnormal on the breast, we do additional views. If we use this machine, we take, take some samples, we send these samples to the laboratory pathology and then we will know what type of breast cancer, the stage, everything great. So it's very, very updated up to date this machine. As ladies turn 47 we can start screening and rather than maybe having a whole big batch of screening we can stagger it a little bit more. 
if ladies find a lump as well as ultrasound we can do a mammogram so we'll be able to offer the ladies a better better service and hopefully avoid some of them having to go away for for mammograms. The European earwig has been prolific in the Falkland Islands and causes devastation to gardens as well as horror when they come inside the house. Over the years the earwigs have thrived and become a real menace. One major reason for the unusually high density of this pest species is down to the lack of predators. CABI, a UK organisation specialising in biological control, conducted an extensive report in 2014 into the feasibility of introducing the tachnid fly to the Falklands. A batch of tachnid larvae were sent to the Falklands, but few survived. In the Legislative Assembly on Thursday, MLA Teslin Bartman asked for an update on this project. Well, I, I wanted to draw some specific attention to this. I mean, as everyone knows, it's that time of year where earwigs start invading your home again. Um, but yes, you're right, a, a number of years ago, I think back in 2014, 2015, they did some trials with these tachinid flies and um, they'd imported, they'd bred the eggs and a company called Cabby, who does a lot of biological control, had gone through various stages of imp environmental impact and monitoring and even though it got to this, this trial one where they were released in a government house um, polytunnel in one of the large ones. Unfortunately, and they think because of some of the travel arrangements and the delays at Ascension at the time, uh, not many of the, the eggs had hatched. Um, I think it's the kind of thing that certainly is worth another a go or two. Uh, it obviously takes a while for any new species to adapt to our environment as the earwig themselves uh, went through and you know I think it's ultimately it's probably one of those only things that's really going to have an effect on controlling what is a completely unrealistic amount of earwigs breeding absolutely everywhere particularly in town. Government House held a reception on Tuesday night to welcome some of the new people to the islands his Excellency the Governor, Nigel Phillips, welcomed everyone and remarked how it had been a long while since the last reception to welcome newcomers. And finally, we paddle in it and we play in it. It's not a long way to get into a patch of water, be it pond or the sea. Catherine has been following Dr Stephanie Carter from the South Atlantic Environmental Research Institute to find out what lurks beneath the water. The Falkland Islands are known for the impressive variety of wildlife that lives on and off the shores from vast penguin colonies to the elusive Weddell fox. However, we rarely think about what's underneath the surface. I caught up with Dr Stephanie Carter from Sari to find out what creatures can be found in our wetlands. Yeah, there's a, there's a variety of invertebrates in there. We've got some diving beetles. Uh, we've got some stonefly larvae. Those two are the sort of top main predators um, here in the pond. And then we've got some pond snails of varying sizes, some, some bigger ones and lots and lots of smaller ones. We've got lots of amphipods swimming around, which are little crustaceans um, that will sort of feed on any, anything swimming or any sort of plant material, detritus, anything they can find. Um, we also have some, some smaller critters in here. We've got some copepods, which are also different types of crustaceans. Um, we've got some really 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 small ones which I will have to look at under the microscope to figure out what they are. Stephanie is a project manager for the Falklands Wetlands and Aquatic Habitats Research, a project funded by the Darwin Initiative. So the idea behind the project is 
that we try to get a baseline of what the wetlands are like in the Falklands. So this is about anything, it's about invertebrates, this is about the water chemistry um, and so on, the plants that you get there. And because as with climate change, you know, it's predicted that the Falklands will get warmer, it might get windier, so we're expecting everything to dry out. So the idea is to have a baseline that we can monitor against in the future. As part of the project, different ponds and wetlands around the Falkland Islands will be studied. The locations of the ponds can affect things like water quality and ecosystems. This pond is located behind the dunes at York Bay and Stephanie can use pH monitoring to find out how this affects the water quality. So the pH here that we just had um, at the pond, that was just over 8, 8.4 I think. Um, basically, so the pH, the 7 is neutral. Um, anything above 7 is alkaline, anything below is acidic. So for example, rainwater is about 5.5, so that's acidic, so your, your lemon juice is about pH 3 or so. Um, so lots of things actually that we take in are acidic, so acidity is not a bad thing. But here it's just, yeah, it's, it's, above, PM, it's above neutral, so it means it's alkaline. And there's possibly, you might get um, sort of particles from shells blown over from the beach, which are um, calcareous, so they would, um, they would then add to the alkalinity. That could be one of the reasons why we've got an alkaline pond here. All of these factors lead to a whole ecosystem thriving within a pond. Yeah, we've got a combination here. So um, it, it's a great food web in here. You get, um, you get the little guys um, feeding on the vegetation and some of the bigger guys like the diving beetles and the, the stonefly lover that'll be eating um, the little guys then. Yeah. And then we get creeps and ducks flying in eating uh, the snails, the diving beetles, the stonefly larvae. Yeah. York Bay Pond is just one piece of a larger puzzle that will help inform government on long-term monitoring strategies. So these tiny bugs will help build a picture of what's going on in our wetlands. And from this research, it's clear that there's more under the surface than we may think. That's it for this week's News Roundup. Don't forget you can watch FITV via the KTV Broadcasting Service or online through our website, fitv.co.fk. Join us next time.